Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. In the opening game of the 2023 Gold Cup, the U.S. men's national team went out against a tough Jamaica side and earned a draw that came down to the wire, really, for the U.S. It took a while before the U.S. were able to scratch one back. Now, this was an interesting game because coming into the tournament, everybody, and I mean everybody, was talking about how great this Jamaica side was, how difficult it was going to be for the U.S. with this MLS-based side to go up against that Jamaican side that had so many EPL players. And for the U.S., there was a lot of question marks coming in about this squad, kind of what they were going to look like, especially with interim head coach B.J. Callahan entering his last tournament in charge of the team with Greg Berhalter returning as national team coach, who was pretty good, who was not that great, who needs to get better, who do we want to see more of, all that and more on this episode of The Yank Report. What's up? My name is Sam. This is The Yank Report, a show all about American soccer. If you're into that, hit the subscribe button, hit the like button. If you really want to support the channel, you could do so directly by becoming a member. It'd be really cool if you did. I'd really appreciate that. Let's get into this USA versus Jamaica Gold Cup game. But before we do, here's a word from this week's sponsor. BetOnline is the number one source for all your betting needs. Get the latest lines and matchup reports for golf, baseball, basketball, boxing, and more. BetOnline continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wages, including live betting and your favorite casino and card games, available to play right from your phone. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get in on the action. Remember to use promo code BELIEVE for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. So coming into this tournament, all anybody wanted to talk about was how great this Jamaica squad was going to be, how intimidating it looked on paper. And don't get me wrong, it is an intimidating looking squad on paper. Jamaica is one of these national teams within CONCACAF where it feels like they have a lot of dual internationals out there uh, who are mostly living in England who if they ever got all those guys to play for Jamaica and got them all on the same page, they could put together a pretty intimidating national team. Certainly one that could compete for that top three spot in CONCACAF for World Cups, or at least how we used to compete for World Cups, as it's going to be changing in the next few years. Anyway, uh, I digress. Now, Jamaica seemed to start to realize some of that potential in this Gold Cup, and it has a lot of people talking. But I think coming into the tournament, there's some other caveats there that you've got to consider that being this is preseason for a lot of those guys playing in England. And I think we've seen throughout the years when even top EPL teams come over to the United States to play MLS teams in these summer series in the preseason. The EPL guys aren't always in great form early in the preseason. You could tell that their fitness isn't there. Their touch isn't there. And there's often games where the in-season MLS guys come out and look more on the front foot and are able to compete and oftentimes beat these EPL and Syria and these top European teams in some of these preseason friendlies because the opposition just isn't in form yet. And that was kind of the question I had with this Jamaican side coming in. And I think you saw it throughout the game. I think some of these guys, Mikel Antonio, I think Bailey, just didn't quite look as sharp as they're going to look in the coming months I think you could tell it was their first time kicking the ball since the offseason. I don't know what kind of warm-up Jamaica got in the run-up to this tournament. I'm anticipating Jamaica to get better and better as the tournament goes on, and these guys get more reps under their legs. But the flip side of that is you've got a bunch of guys who aren't in great form right now, and you've got a Jamaica side that is pretty good 1 through 11. It's not quite a complete 11, but pretty good 1 through 11. But your your backups are not that great, and your depth falls off pretty quickly. And I think we saw with the U.S. and the World Cup that whenever you don't have that depth and you're playing in a tournament where there's short turnarounds, there's going to come a point where 
tired legs are going to take over, and it's going to be difficult for this Jamaica side to make it deep in that tournament uh, because of that. I don't know if Jamaica's quite going to face that exact same scenario in this Gold Cup tournament because while they'll have tired legs, it's not like the quality of the opposition is going to go up tremendously. But I think it's a storyline to keep keep track of in this tournament. If Jamaica is able to get through the group stage, it's going to be interesting to see what happens in those knockout rounds because so many of their players are in preseason mode and are probably going to be logging a lot of minutes over this next couple of weeks. Um, how are they going to be able to maintain throughout this tournament? In this particular game against the U.S., I think despite all the anticipation coming into this game, Jamaica really never got into this game. Jamaica was able to get their first goal off of a set piece, but outside of that, they didn't create a tremendous amount. They didn't ask a lot of questions of the U.S. defense. The U.S. really dominated possession. The U.S. got the more and better chances in this game. So while I'm not going as far as to say Jamaica got away with a point in this game, I, I think it was pretty fair draw in the end. I, I don't think that we're seeing this dangerous, scary Jamaica side that everybody talked about coming in. Uh, now, as for the U.S., the U.S. came out with Matt Turner in goal, DeAndre Yellen at right back, Matt Miazga and Aaron Long at center back, John Tolkien as the left back, James Sands and Aiden Morris as the center midfielders, Alan Sonora as the more advanced midfielder, I guess we'll say, Alejandro Zendejas at right wing, Jesus Ferreira at striker, and Jordan Morris at left wing. Now, coming into this game, there was some a couple of talking points, I think, right away with the lineup. Matt Turner, of course, being the number one goalkeeper and being the hero of the previous Gold Cup, he comes through again with an early penalty save that kept the U.S. in it. Had the U.S. gone down 2-0 early on, it probably would have been lights out for the Americans, uh, considering how the issues that we had scoring goals later on in the game. But Turner is able to make that save, and he has so often just made big saves that has kept the U.S. in, in games throughout his tenure. Uh, looking at that back line, I think anytime Aaron Long starts a game, people are going to just lose their minds about it. It sounds like Miles is going to be good to go for the next game and probably good to go for the rest of the tournament. So if Miles is one of those center backs, that makes the U.S.'s defense a whole lot better. That makes the opportunity for the opposition to catch us on transition breaks and really just get many chances at all. It goes down tremendously, and it's going to be interesting to see who pairs with Miles Robinson uh, later on in this tournament. We'll talk a little bit about that. But DeAndre Yedlin, I think, is a big key point coming in because Brian Reynolds is the other right back in this camp. Brian Reynolds has been the subject of uh, transfer rumors for the last few seasons. Brian Reynolds is this right back that I think everybody is looking at in the next couple of years to see, is he going to be national team potential? What is his career arc? Uh, I, I think we've seen him in some games where he's looked like a tremendous athlete. He can certainly get in that up and down the touchline but you kind of have concerns about him really with the ball at his feet with a lot of combination play. I, I was really curious to see if he's going to be able to overtake DeAndre Yedlin in this tournament because DeAndre Yedlin's days as a national team player are probably numbered. He did not have a great game against Jamaica. He did not really get involved in the attack all that much. His crosses were not really threatening. I, I think he was on the field because it was, this was the first game of the tournament and he is one of the older veteran players players in the pool ultimately with the amount of experience that DeAndre Yedlin has I think that's why he started this game I'm hoping to see Brian Reynolds move moving forward on the other side you had John Tolkien starting as the left back he's in a positional battle with Dewan Jones interesting the U.S. came out in a three-man back line in possession whenever the U.S. had the ball up the field it was Miazga Long and Tolkien often forming that three-man back line 
with Morris and Sands in front of them and then the five attacking players up top. Tolkien was not really asked to get down the sideline and really perform that Anthony Robinson role that we see so much from him. But Tolkien's game was a bit absent. I mean, I've seen I've seen drastically different reviews of Tolkien's performance. Some people were really high on it. Some people were really low on it. I, I was kind of somewhere in the middle saying, this is a very young player getting his, some of his first minutes with the national team. The story is yet to be written with John Tolkien. I think it's something that we're going to have to monitor throughout the tournament. In the midfield, I thought Sands and Aiden Morris were, I don't know, boring, pedestrian. Not a whole lot super bad, but not a whole lot super good either. I think the the main job for Sands and, and Aiden Morris in this game were to get the ball further to the front four in the attack. And they were able to do that job okay. It, it wasn't that great, but this is a thrown together 11. So it's hard for me to be all that critical of them. Whenever we move forward with Alan Sonora, I feel like I can be a little bit more critical because Sonora has been called up to the last few senior U.S. men's national teams. And so far, I just haven't seen a lot in his game that would justify him getting those call-ups. And I was really hoping that Sonora would come into this Gold Cup camp and really establish himself as the top dog in the midfield for the U.S. and and really show why he keeps getting those call-ups and that he's a cut above the rest of the guys. I didn't see that. I didn't see that he was a cut above at all. I didn't see that he would be justified starting over Jordi Mihailovic, who I would really hope to see moving forward. Uh, Sonora had the opportunity to play players in, but none of those balls really came off. Um, he didn't offer all that much in the attack at all. He wasn't uh, really playing balls in behind to to someone like Jordan Morris, who's going to be constantly making those runs, um, or even Jesus Ferreira, who ultimately was the main creative force for the U.S. in the attack. Not super impressed with Sonora. I'm hoping that he shows us something later on in this tournament. I'm not saying it has to be Jordy or Sonora. I mean, we could play Sonora as one of the other eights and take out Morris or Sands or something like that. But I think that this tournament is going to be crucial for Sonora to show us something to justify his continued call-ups. And on the flip side, I think when Georgi Mihailovic was in the game, I thought he was a little bit more exciting and he was a little bit more threatening. We know from his time in MLS that Mihailovic can be a goal-scoring threat. He can set other players up. Um, I, I think the offense just flowed a little bit better whenever he was in the game, albeit um, it was later in the game and you had some tired Jamaican legs out there, so there's always that caveat. But the, I would like to see more Mihailovic moving forward and less Sonora, or at least... Mihailovic and Sonora in that midfield. Now, when we get to the front line, we get to Alejandro Zendejas. And I think Zendejas is another player who's in that Sonora category where Zendejas is getting ghost call-ups to the, to the top national team. And so far, I just haven't seen a lot from Zendejas to justify that. Coming into this Gold Cup tournament, uh, I was really hoping that Zendejas would show himself as a cut above the rest of the players be that go-to player in the attack that the U.S. can look towards, really both for creativity and goal-scoring threat. And in this game, I didn't get a whole lot from him in that. I felt like there were a lot of moments, especially in transition, where Zendejas put his foot on the ball and just slowed down all the U.S.'s momentum. It was as if in the attack, Zendejas would say, no, nah, we, we can't attack this unbalanced Jamaica side. We got to wait for them all to get back, so it's fair. And it was like, why are we doing that? We don't have the players to really break these guys down. We need to get after it. But that's just not what Zendejas was doing. He was a step off. Whenever you have those two kind of opposing forces where we had Jordan Morris and Zendejas on the field at the same time, Jordan, his specialty is going to be getting up and down that line, fast attacks, getting transition plays, getting counterattacks, getting right after it and getting in the opposition's face. 
And Zendejas was just not playing that game at all. He was being slow. He was doing the slow buildup. He was waiting for everybody to get back. He was waiting for the position to emerge. So you had just these two conflicting forces playing these two conflicting games on either side of the half. It didn't work out well for me. I thought when Kay Cal came in for Jordan Morris, it showed, again, another player who's just looking to get down the field and get into the attack. I thought Kay Cal offered more technical ability than Jordan Morris with that same verticality threat. I thought I thought Kay Cal was probably our most threatening winger that we saw play. I was really impressed by his game. And, and I think it's important to continue saying that these three players are playing for limited roster positions in that winger spot. I thought coming into this camp that it was really going to be a battle between Jordan Morris and Alejandro Zendejas to show who's more deserving for that back-end winger roster spot. I wasn't really expecting K. Cal to be in that conversation, but after this first game, I just continue to be impressed with K. Cal every time I see him play. I touched a little bit about Jordan Morris, but I think it's important to to reiterate the point, and, and that's it. I, I think Jordan Morris is a limited player, but I think what he does, he does really well, and that's counterattack, that's attack the opposition with pace. If you play balls in behind for him to go fight with the right back to win or, or just play that ball into that space, he can be vicious. He can be deadly on that, but the rest of the team needs to play that way. And it felt like he was on one page and everybody else was on another page. Sonora wasn't looking for that ball in behind, or if he was, he couldn't execute it. Zendejas was flat out putting his foot on the ball and stopping counterattacks. There were some moments where Ferreira and Morris kind of worked together to spring him on that left side, but it was few and far between with me. So um, for me, I, I'm... I'm not opposed to Jordan Morris starting. I think he's a very good player, but I think you got to play to his strengths. And if you're not doing that, then there's no real point to have him on the field. And finally, we move on to Jesus Ferreira, the man who started up top at striker. Um, I was really expecting this kind of game out of Jesus Ferreira. I felt like he was going to be the best attacking player in this tournament for the U.S. And he certainly showed that in the first game. In a game where the U.S. did not look the most competent or clean in the final third or really in any third of the field. It felt like whenever the ball hit Jesus' feet, there were some good outcomes happening after that. He created, the, I think, all of the good chances that the U.S. had in this game, Jesus created, aside from maybe one or two actions where I think like Zinzejas had a shot on goal, maybe one or two others. But for the most part, Ferreira was playing in balls. He had a beautiful, beautiful pass to play in Alan Sonora early in the game. Sonora misses that opportunity. Ferreira had another really nice moment where he played in Jordan Morris, who was one-on-one with the goal. Morris missed that opportunity. Later on in the game, Ferreira played in a ball into the box. I think I think that eventually reached, uh, I believe it was Roldan's feet, who had a shot on goal, and, and that was not able to beat Blake, the Jamaican keeper, who was, of course, one of the top keepers in CONCACAF. Eventually, later on in the game, Brandon Vasquez comes in, and Jesus Ferreira puts another pretty nice ball into the box that creates some confusion for the Jamaican defenders. And Vasquez is able to put that away for the first goal of the game. But this is another moment where Jesus Ferreira is kind of running the show in the attack and, and creating opportunities for the U.S. There's been a lot of conversation within the U.S. discourse that Jesus Ferreira is just like straight up bad and is just not going to amount to anything. But I mean, if you watch the guy play at 22 years old, he is a, a phenomenal attacking player. He creates the majority of the t- attacks for uh, FC Dallas and finishes a, a large majority of them. And I think you're seeing that for the U.S. in this first game against Jamaica. Now, it's also been brought up a lot in the discourse. If Jesus is creating all these opportunities and is so good whenever he drops into midfield, 
Why not just play him as a midfielder or play him as a winger or something like that? Which is an interesting idea. I think he's at his best whenever he could be at that nine spot and kind of do both of those jobs where he makes the nine run and he does a lot of the nine things, makes those run and runs in behind like a striker, uh, but also can drop in. So it creates a little bit of that instability. I think if you put him at winger, if you drop him back into the midfield, you're kind of weakening some areas of the game and you're weakening some of Jesus's unpredictability. And I, I don't know that you're getting as much back in return. However, if there's moments where it's late in the game and you're not anticipating a lot of counterattacks and a lot of defending, it is something that the U.S. can absolutely do. Absolutely do. It's something that FC Dallas do. It's something that the U.S. did in this last game where they brought on Vasquez and had Jesus and Vasquez on the field at the same time. And it led to the goal, the, the tying goal for the U.S. in that game. Brendan Vasquez came off the bench and gets the goal in this game. I think Brendan Vasquez's role in this tournament is going to be that super sub. I, I think that it's just it's just Jesus' tournament. I think he's just a better all-around player at this point than Brendan Vasquez. Christian Roldan came in and played pretty good. I don't know about Roldan's real opportunities moving forward with the senior national team, but showed his class and showed that he, you know he's a veteran player in this setup. He knows what these games are all about, and he justified his roster call-up with uh, the way that he played in the second half against for, for the U.S. Roldan was arguably more effective than Zendejas in, in his moments on the field, which is, I, I don't know that that's an indictment on Zendejas as much as just, you know, it, it's it's the first game in a tournament for a group of players that really doesn't have much experience playing together, and I think that there's going to be some growing pain. The next game is against St. Kitts and Nevis. It's probably going to be the weakest team that the U.S. plays in this tournament. There's going to be a lot of opportunity for the U.S. to uh, go through the motions and the system and try to figure out the runs and where everybody's going to be. I'd anticipate a lot of goals for the U.S. I'm sure Ferreira's going to bag a bunch. Uh, Vasquez might come in later and bag some too as well. If BJ does want to experiment, does want to give some players off, I mean, this is the perfect opportunity for rotation. But I think this is a tournament where the U.S. is going to get better every game. And I think if you look at the U.S.'s roster, while it doesn't have the big superstar names at the top end, what it does have is a lot of depth and a lot of players who can come in and do a job. I think we saw with Jamaica that in soccer, you're often as good as the weakest player on the field. Not always, but often it comes down to that. And even if you have, like Jamaica had, a really good front line and some quality in the midfield, if you're if you're lacking in other areas of the field, that's going to be found out and exposed at some point. And if you don't have the depth in one of these tournaments where there's short turnarounds and players are playing often your team is going to have the eventuality of running out of gas this u.s squad while it doesn't have the top end attackers it does have a lot of depth and it is going to be able to go deep into this tournament and it is going to force opposition to really work to score on them if you're able to get through that defense with miles robinson in the middle um you're going to have to get it past matt turner there's just not going to be a lot of easy goals in the against the u.s and if, if we can get jesus ferreira cooking the U.S. might be able to score some goals. So I think it's going to be a tournament where the U.S. is definitely in it, where the U.S. can definitely have an opportunity to win this thing. I think they're going to be around at least to the semifinals. So I'm excited to see exactly where it goes. I'm excited to see if Cade Cowell can put together another good game if he actually starts or something like that. I'd like to see Jordi Mihailovic on the field. I'd like to see uh, Jesus Ferreira put in some really other really nice passes, maybe get some goals himself. At that left back, we're still waiting for something to emerge between uh, John Tolkien and Dewan Jones. I mean, if you want to start Tolkien in the next game, okay. If you want to start Jones, I, I don't I don't really have a dog in that fight. I just want to see something emerge. Speaking of just seeing something 
Oh man, I would love for Alan Sonora or Alejandro Zendejas to just show me anything at this point. Um, I, I want to see something from those guys to kind of justify those guys getting continuing to get senior team call-ups. Let me know what your thoughts on the Jamaica game were. Were there any players that surprised you and stood out either in a good way or a bad way? Let me know in the comment section. What are your expectations for the next game? What are your expectations for the tournament, really? What, what's a good tournament look like for you? What, what would be a good result? Maybe not so much to say like, oh, the U.S. winning, like, of course, but what players do you want to see stand out for the good of the national team moving forward? If you would like the Anchor Portland Podcast form, you could find it anywhere that you get your podcast. Thank you guys so much for watching and subscribing and liking and commenting on the videos and following me on Twitter and uh, all the interactions. If you would like to be a next level supporter of the Yank Report, you can do so by becoming a member. Being a member directly supports the channel, and I appreciate all the members. Shout out to the two, tier two members Manuel Oliveras, Matthew Doyle, Matthew Hanna, Michael Baker, Dan McVeigh, Mike Irish, Aaron M expats everywhere and Aaron Silva guys thank you so much for watching my name is Sam and this is the Yank Report brought to you by Bet Online. thank you for listening to Believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a 5 star rating on your preferred platform check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube